The Carter Report presents worship from the Community Adventist Fellowship in Glendale, California. A special welcome to all of our viewers in North America and our new friends and churches in Russia. Today, you'll enjoy outstanding music and the preaching of the everlasting gospel by pastor, teacher, and evangelist John Carter. Please get your Bible and study the Word of God with us today. Thank you for joining us for Worship and Praise. Thank God that I found the way. Often my heart longed to pray, but I was a sinner, so what could I say?
Steve, thank you. I'd like you to take your Bible, please, and turn to the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, chapter 4. Malachi chapter 4, I want you to notice firstly verse 1, then we're going to go down to verse 5 and verse 6 as we talk about the return of the prophet Elijah. We welcome each person here today, and particularly our viewers on 3ABN. Malachi chapter 4, verse 1, For behold, the day of the Lord is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that shall leave them neither root nor branch. It talks about the great judgment day that comes upon the world. And then verse 5 and 6 says, Behold, I will send you, Elijah the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. The Bible here talks about a very significant day. It talks about the day of the Lord. In this context, it is the day of judgment. It is the day when the Lord comes in fiery indignation to set things right in the world. But the Bible says that before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, God in his infinite compassion, wisdom and mercy sends the prophet Elijah back to the earth. And he comes with a message which will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest God strike the earth with a curse. So today we're going to talk about the return of the prophet Elijah. If we are living in the last days, and most of us believe with all our hearts that we are living in the last days, most of us believe that the great and dreadful day of the Lord is almost upon us. If this is so, then the prophet Elijah ought to be here. Hear this? You say amen to that. If this is true, if we are living in the time that is immediately preceding the great and dreadful day of the Lord, then the prophet Elijah ought to be here. And the question we're going to explore today, we're going to explore a number of questions, but one great question is this, what is the message that the prophet Elijah is going to bring to the inhabitants of planet Earth? I want you please now to turn to the Gospel according to St. Mark. Mark chapter 9, verse 11 to 13, and we are going to perceive in these verses the true understanding of the Elijah message. Mark chapter 9 and verse 11 to 13, dear hearts and gentle people. Mark chapter 9, verse 11 to 13. And they asked him, Jesus, saying, why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Well, why did the scribes say Elijah must come first? Why? Because the scribes had read the prophet Malachi. That's probably why. They were students of Bible prophecy to a certain extent. Verse 12, Then he, Jesus, answered and told them, Elijah does come first. It is true. And what does he do? Restores all things. Now, we're going to continue this verse in a moment, but this is so important that you should store this information away in your mind. 
The Bible says that the purpose of the coming of Elijah is for what reason? Hmm? Tell it to me. The Bible says it is to restore all things. The coming of Elijah is for the purpose of restoration. Do you hear this? And you only have restoration when you have had what? Devastation. And we're going to see today because of the devastation that has been wrought in the bodies and the souls of the inhabitants of this earth that God is going to send a message of restoration. So keep reading this verse. But the Bible says, Jesus says, Elijah does come first and restores all things. And how it is written concerning the Son of Man that he must suffer many things, be treated with contempt. But I say to you that Elijah, now finish it, he has already come. And they did to him whatever they wished, as it is written of him. So Jesus said, it is true, Elijah is going to come, and Elijah is going to restore the devastation. And then Jesus said, Elijah has already come, and they have done to him whatever they wanted. So I want you to keep this in your mind. And I want you to come now to Matthew 17 and verses 10 to 13. We're going to put some verses together, dear hearts and gentle people. Matthew 17 and verses 10 to 13, and we invite our viewers on 3ABN to get their Bibles and to follow us with their Bibles. Please get your Bible, look up these passages with us. Matthew 17 verse 10 to 13, as we talk today about the return of the prophet Elijah. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Then Jesus answered and said to them, Elijah truly is coming first and will restore all things. Is that past, present, or future tense? Hmm? Tell me. Is it past, present, or future? It is future. So Jesus here is talking about something that was still future in his own, in his own day. Jesus said Elijah will come and he will restore. That's interesting. He will restore all things. That's very important. Because the prophecy was still to be consummated. And then verse 12, you have a but. And this but gives us a different perspective. But I say to you that Elijah has come already. Jesus said he will come. Okay? He will come. That's future tense. He will come. But then he says, I say to you that Elijah has come. What tense is that? Past tense. He has come and he will come. But they did not know did not know him. So people did not recognize the coming of the prophet Elijah. That's important. People did not recognize him. They did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of whom? John the Baptist. Now look, let us think about this. Jesus said, Elijah is going to come. It's going to come before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Jesus said, this is the truth. Elijah is going to come and he's going to restore all things. But then Jesus said, but he's already come. He's already come. And they did to him whatever they wanted to do to him. And then the disciples understood that Jesus was speaking of a person who fulfilled the prophecy. And his name, what was the name? John the Baptist. Now, let me 
show you another passage which apparently contradicts this verse here. I want you to come now to the gospel according to St. John, John chapter 1, and verses 19 to 21, if you don't mind. John chapter 1, and verse 19 to 21, dear people. John chapter 1, and verse 19 to 21, please. John chapter 1, verse 19 to 21, and this is an apparent contradiction. I say apparent. Now this is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And what did he say? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Isn't this a little confusing? Jesus said Elijah is going to come. He's going to come. He's going to come down at the end of time. He's going to restore all things. He's going to come. So that's still future. And then Jesus said, he's already come. They didn't even recognize him. They were so spiritually dumb that they didn't recognize him. And they did to him whatever they wanted to do. And so the disciples understood that Jesus was speaking about who? John. And on one occasion, these people who were not believers in Jesus went out to question John the Baptist and they said, who are you? Are you the Messiah? He said, no. Are you Elijah then? Do you fulfill the prophecy of Malachi? And John said, no. So Jesus said he was, and John says, I'm not. So then how does a person understand or explain the dilemma? It's easy. Would you come over now to John, uh, let me see now. No, come over here to Luke, Luke chapter 1, 13 to 17. And here the problem is solved. Luke chapter 1 and verse 13 down to 17. Now this is talking about the, the birth of John the Baptist. But the angel said to him, talking to his father, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. You will have joy and gladness. Many will rejoice at his birth. He'll be great in the sight of the Lord, shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And now, now listen to the, the verse that describes the mission of John. It's a great verse. Read it with me, please, in the New King James Version. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. So what was John the Baptist going to do? Going to turn people to God. He is going to turn them away from the devastation of apostasy and the devastation of sin. And in their souls was to be restored the work of the Spirit of God. You see this? He shall turn many of the children of God, the children of Israel, to the Lord their God. Now verse 17 is the great verse that I want you to hear now and, and look at it. He will also go before him. Now say the words. Come on. In the Spirit. How? And the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just 
to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Do you hear it? Now let me ask you this. Was John the Baptist <laughs> Elijah brought back in the flesh? No, no, no. <laughs> he was John the Baptist with the spirit of Elijah preaching the message of Elijah in the power of Elijah. Okay? Now listen to this, because we're going to take it one step further, and it's easy. The return of Elijah in the last days then, are you listening? The return of Elijah in the last days is not the return of the man Elijah in the flesh. You hear this? It is not the return of a man. It is the return of the Elijah message in the power and the spirit of God to turn many of the children of Israel back to the Lord their God and to prepare the world for the coming of Jesus. You see? Now get this verse in your mind. It says, to make ready what? Come on. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord and so my friend there is going to come a tremendous message in the last days which is going to have the power of Elijah in that message it is going to have the power of the Spirit of God in that message and it is that message that is going to prepare a people to stand in the day of God now before we go any further this is the question we should ask. This is the question that we should answer. What is the message of Elijah? To understand the message of Elijah, you must understand the times in which Elijah lived. You must understand the circumstances that gave birth to the preaching of his, of his message. And to understand the times, you need to turn back to the Old Testament, to the book of Kings. And so, I want you now to come to the times of Elijah because these times gave birth to the message of Elijah. Back to 1 Kings, uh, please, if you don't mind. 1 Kings chapter 16 and verse 29 to 33, and it describes the days of Elijah. And if you can understand the days of Elijah, then you will understand the need for his message. And then you will see that there is a parallel between the days of Elijah and our days, the last days. Now, please turn to 1 Kings chapter 16 and verse 29 and onwards, and it describes the circumstances that prevailed in the days of Elijah. You got this verse? 1 Kings, are you ready to go? It says, In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab the son of Omri became king over Israel, and Ahab the son of Omri reigned over Israel in Samaria, 22 years. Now Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. So he was about as bad as you can get. And it came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebart that he took as wife who? This famous or infamous woman he took as wife Jezebel, the daughter of who? Even the name is significant, Eth Baal, the sun god. 
king of the Zidonians. And he went and served Baal and worshipped him. Worshipped him. Then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Now listen very carefully to what I'm going to tell you. The people here of whom we're reading were not the Babylonians. They weren't the Philistines and they weren't the Egyptians. These were who? Israelites. The professing people of God. And the professing people of God had wandered so far from God that they were worshipping the gods of the heathen nations about them. And they had a king over them. And this king was so bad that he married this woman who was the very priestess of a pagan cult. And so the people turned from the worship of the Bible and the worship of the creator God and they set up a counterfeit religious system. Listen to this, all religion is not good. You hear this? Many people think that all religion is good. That's as crazy and as phony as you can understand. If you have God's religion, it'll bless you. But if you have the religion of Eth Baal, it'll damn you. You see? This we're going to see today was a paganized religion. It was a religion that had become commercialized. It was a persecuting religion. And Elijah, the man of God, was raised up to preach the word of God and to call the people of God out of a paganized religion back to the worship of the Creator. That was the message of Elijah. Now, I want you to come over a little further, if you don't mind, come to 1 Kings 18 and verse 4. It says, And so it was, while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord. It was a persecuting religion. That Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them, 50 in a cave, and had fed them with bread and water. And so here is an amalgamation of the religion of God with the religion of, 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 of sun worship, and it becomes a systematic attempt to wipe out the people of God. It becomes a persecuting system. And then if you come down to verse 17 and 18, you read of a great conversation here. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah... Ahab sees the prophet, that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? Why is it? Why is it? That when a group of people decide to do the work of God, they are often called the troublers of Israel. Have you ever wondered about this? Who are those people who are causing trouble in the church who are those people who have the audacity to disturb the status quo among the people of God and so <laughs> the king who was an apostate said is that you Elijah are you the person who has troubled Israel and Elijah said notice the verse strong reply he said he answered, I have not troubled Israel, 
but you and your father's house have in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and you have followed the Baals. Now listen carefully to this. Just concentrate and think about this just for a few moments. Here you have the professing people of God. Did they have the Bible? Did they have the Bible? Yeah, they had the Bible. They had the Old Testament scriptures. Did they have the temple? They had the temple. They had all the ceremonies. They had everything that made them look like the legitimate, sanctified church of God. But they had given up their unique beliefs in the creator God and they were worshipping idols and transgressing the commandments of God. And Elijah said, I'm not the person who has troubled Israel, but you have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of God and you have followed Baal. And so God raised up a man, a voice crying in the wilderness, and he went to the children of Israel and he said, God has sent me here with a message for the people who profess to be the people of God. And that is a message to turn from paganism and to turn from false idols and to come back and worship the creator God and to keep the commandments of God. That, my friend, is the Elijah message. Now... I want to ask you something else. I want you to think about this too. Can you with any stretch of the imagination see a parallel between the days of Elijah and our day? You may have to stretch your imaginations as you contemplate it. Is there any parallel between the days in which we live in the United States of America and the days that call for the voice of the Elijah message. Is there any parallel? I want you to think about this today. We live in a professing Christian country that would make more profession of God than any other country on the face of the earth but I would suggest to you today that we as a people, as a nation, and as people who profess to believe in God have basically turned from the word of God. And we have turned from the great truth of creation and we have set up our own commandments. And I want to tell you this and I want this to sink down into your soul a people who are willingly breaking the commandments of God and are following the priests of Baal are not ready to stand in the presence of God. And so God sends in the last days a message that is hot from the heart of heaven and the message is this come back to God and come back to the word and come back to the creator and come out of a false counterfeit religious system and worship him who made heaven and earth and keep the commandments of God. Amen. I want you to think about this now. I'm going to tell you some things. I want to tell you about some of the counterfeits that are in the world today. I want you to think about these, not critically, not to criticize anybody, because we, 
We've got no reason to criticize anybody except ourselves. We've got enough problems of our own. But I want you to think about the society, some of the counterfeits. Tradition in the place of the Bible. Penance in the place of repentance. Righteousness by human works in the place of righteousness by faith. Confirmation in the place of conversion. Infant baptism in the place of Believer's baptism, sprinkling instead of immersion, Sunday instead of the Sabbath, an earthly priesthood instead of a heavenly priesthood, the Mass in place of the Lord's Supper, the immortality of the soul in place of the resurrection of the dead, fear in the place of love, persecution in the place of persuasion, the intercession of saints in the place of the one and only mediator, the many sacrifices of the mass in place of the one sacrifice of Calvary. I would suggest to you today that much which masquerades for Christianity is simply a masquerade. It is a counterfeit. My brother in Australia has a magnificent farm just a few miles from the Gold Coast. He retired when he was 36. <laughs> that wonderful. Retired when he was 36 with horses and ranch and avocado trees and ducks and dogs and all sorts of other goodies. He has a magnificent driveway, a beautiful driveway. And uh, along the driveway are these massive trees, huge trees. And one of the trees is different from any other tree. This tree that adorns Peter's farm is different because it is greener than any other tree. It is more luxurious than any other tree. The leaves uh, grow right out of this great tree that is there, but they don't belong there. It is a strange phenomenon that I do not understand at all, but he explained it to me. He said, you can't even see the tree. He said, what has happened is that this giant parasite, because that's what it is, a vegetable parasite has taken over the tree. Did you know such a thing exists? He said, you can't say, you can't pull it off. It's not a vine. It's not a vine growing on the tree. But he said, the parasite has actually uh, grown in to the tree itself. The roots are in the tree. It is living on the sap of the tree. It is breeding on the tree. And the tree is just a mass of shrubbery and glory. It is a, a sight to behold. But it is a counterfeit. It is a parasite. And it's very hard for a person who's an amateur to tell where the real tree starts and the other one begins. Let me tell you something. You need to know this. After Jesus founded a church almost 2,000 years ago, a parasite invaded the kingdom of God. And it was a beautiful parasite. And the parasite got its roots right in the very bosom 
of the kingdom of God. And it brought forth all types of leaves that were pleasant to the sight and desirable to make one wise. And those leaves were the embodiment not of the kingdom of God but of the religion of Baal. And the world has been deceived. And the commandments of God were cast aside. The truth of God was cast aside. That is why there was a Protestant Reformation. You hear what I'm telling you? That's why there was a Protestant Reformation. That's why God raised up the Lutheran Church. That's why God raised up the Baptist Church, Steve. That's why God raised up the Presbyterian Church. Because the kingdom of God had been taken over by a parasite. But I want you to know this. I want you to think about this. This is very important. The Reformation didn't finish with the Lutherans. The Reformation didn't finish even with the Baptists. God bless them. God has a message to go to the world in the last days to complete the Reformation. That's the message of Elijah. I want to tell you folks something. I want you to think about this. This is very, very important that you understand this. The message of truth is never popular. This is hard for people to understand because we, we have government by the polls. There are very few politicians who make decisions on the basis of what is right and wrong. They make it on the, on the decision of the, of the people who call in and say, I like it or I hate it. But God, you see, is not running a, a Gallup poll. God makes decisions on the basis of righteousness and holiness and love. Now the Elijah message that goes to the world in the last days is no more popular than the message of the prophet Elijah back in the days of Baal and back in the days of Jezebel. When the prophet spoke back there, it was an unpopular message. Listen to me. You're listening? Now this may not be palatable, what I'm going to say to you, but I'm going to say just the same because it's the truth. There is an awful counterfeit in America Many, many counterfeits, but one of the counterfeits is the prosperity gospel. That everything is rosy. Everything is good. And that God doesn't want his people ever to have tribulation or poverty. And if you become a Christian, you become an instant success financially in every way that is very very popular you know what it appeals to it appeals to the devil in our hearts that's what it appeals to it appeals to pride and self-righteousness it appeals to the basis motives of the human heart you say it appeals to the devil within us I tell you why because there was a devil who said I will be like the most high a lot of people want to be like the Most High. The devil wanted to be like the Most High, but the devil didn't want to be like him in character. You see, that's the thing that counts. 
But the message that goes to the world in the last days is a message that comes from the bosom of our Father in heaven and it is the message of truth that upholds the gospel of righteousness by faith. It is the gospel of the cross. It is the gospel of creation. It is a gospel that calls to, for a dynamic change in the life. It is not the gospel of the parasite. It is the gospel of the transforming grace of God in the soul. You should never judge a church or a minister or a message by a Gallup poll. Truth has never been popular. The majority in this world have never been on the side of truth. As we will see. The message of Elijah that goes to the world in the last days is a call back to the creator God. Is there such a message that is mentioned in the Bible, I ask you? Is there such a message? Let me tell you where it is. You know it off by heart, I think. In Revelation 14, there's a picture of three angels flying in the midst of heaven. They come to the earth before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, don't they? And what is the first part of that message? I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having what? The everlasting gospel. It is the good news that God loves you. It is the good news that Jesus died for you. It is the good news that you are tremendously important to God. That's the first part of the message. It is the good news that we can never be saved by our own works but by his works. You see, it is the good news that the blood of Jesus Christ is more than sufficient to save me from every sin. You see, it is the good news that where sin abounds, grace is there a million times more. Then the message goes on to say, Worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the fountains of water. In contrast to the worship of the creature, here is the worship of the great creator God. Come and worship God. Come to God. Worship him as the creator. Then it says, For the hour of his judgment has come. This is judgment hour day. You say, The Lord is going to come back soon. Jesus is going to appear in the clouds of heaven. The great judgment is going to take place, and every one of us is going to stand in the judgment bar. You see, at the judgment bar. Then the second angel's message says, Listen to this Babylon is fallen, is fallen. What is Babylon? What is Babylon? It's the religion of Baal. It's the parasite religion. When it talks about Babylon, it is not talking about the old city over there on the, on the river Euphrates, which has been partially rebuilt. It is talking about a vast system of apostate religion that has come in and that has permeated the world. This is what it's talking about. It's talking about apostate religion. And then it warns against the beast, the image of the beast, the mark of the beast. And then it says, keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. Now I would suggest to you today, now listen to this, I would suggest to you today that Elijah has already come. I would suggest that he came to you, he came to this world in the days of John with a message of reformation to call the people to get ready for the coming of Jesus the first time. But I would suggest to you on the authority of, of scripture that Elijah is among us today. I would suggest it to you. 
on the authority of scripture. I would suggest that today this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. I would suggest to you on the authority of scripture that Elijah has already come and most people do not recognize him that Elijah has come not in a man, not in people, but in a message of reformation that is going to the world today. I would suggest it to you. What is that message? That you must hear, that you must obey in order to be saved? What is that message? Here it is in a nutshell. Believe in the gospel. Believe in a dying Christ for your sins. That is the message of Elijah. Come and believe in Jesus. Believe in the creator. Don't believe in the doctrine of evolution. Do not believe that you are something, nothing. Believe that you are a child of the most high God and that you are inexpressibly important to God because God made you. You see? Believe that the hour of his judgment has come and turn, let us turn our backs on a counterfeit religious system that is simply a parasite and that offers all of the glories of heaven without demanding the cross, you see, that wants to give the crown without the cross. That's what Babylon is. A religion, the religion of Babylon said, uh, look at the great things I have done. The religion of Babel uh, built the Tower of Babel that ended in confusion, but the religion of Babylon is myself first, and the great I am is here. But the religion of Jesus is that God loved us so much that he would become nothing in order to save us. See, it's the very opposite. And then the message of Elijah says, keep my commandments. I would suggest to you that when a person comes to know the truth of the Bible, and most people on this subject are ignorant, and we do not condemn them. We do not condemn them. But when a person comes to worship him who made heaven and earth, he ought to understand the truth of the Sabbath that says, keep my Sabbath day. And as you keep the Sabbath day, you are saying, you are first in my life. You know the importance of the Sabbath? And I believe in the Sabbath as a Christian saved by the blood of Jesus, saved by grace, I believe in the Sabbath because the Sabbath is like marriage. It calls us to commitment, you see. You know, the world is full of this garbage religion that says just believe in Jesus and then fornicate and do anything you like, just do anything you like. That's the religion of Baal. It's not the religion of Jesus. It's the religion of Jezebel. But the religion of Jesus calls me to commitment and to holiness through the power of the blood. That's why I see the Sabbath important. The Sabbath is not a, a Jewish day. No, who cares if it is? Jesus was a Jew. But the Sabbath precedes the Jews and the Sabbath says, give God your best. Give God your heart. Give God the Sabbath because the Sabbath is the reminder that you are a son of the prince and God made you. Don't tell me this nonsense that the Sabbath is legalistic. A person who says the Sabbath is legalistic is probably a legalist. You say? Probably a legalist. <laughs> Listen, to him that is clean, everything is, is clean. To him that is not clean, nothing is clean. And to him who is a legalist, everything has to be legalistic. I want to tell you 
loving Jesus and keeping his commandments is never legalism. No, loving Jesus. Working your way to heaven, thinking you can be saved in your own filthy self-righteousness, that's legalism. We got a bit of that too. We all got a bit of that because we're all born Pharisees. You don't have to go to seminary to learn to be a Pharisee. You get it when you're born. The message of Elijah is the message to call, is the call to worship the Creator God and to follow the gospel and be washed in the blood of the Lamb and to get ready for the coming of Jesus. And the Elijah message does something when it comes to a person's heart, and I'm going to share that with you, and this is going to be the climax of my talk today. First Kings 18 verse 16, so Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, Ahab went to meet Elijah. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to him, is that you, O troubler of Israel? You the person who's disturbing the church? You the people who are preaching against the sins of the world and the sins of the church? You'd be better to keep your mouth shut. He answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, and that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. You have followed the Baals. Mm. That's plain preaching, isn't it? Uh, this man had not learned the skills of being a psychology preacher. He was just preaching the Bible. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal, and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. They had a lot, didn't they? Didn't they have a lot? Had them laid on, all fat and shiny. Bunch of them, hundreds of them. Never be embarrassed because the, the truth that you believe is only believed by a minority in the world. Mm. Some people say, well, my church has got to be the right church because it's the biggest. The biggest is usually the worst. I was going to say the wrongest. But there's no such word. Listen, back in these days, truth was not on the side of the majority. They had the priests of Baal by the hundreds, all on their way to hell, and didn't know it until Ahab helped them a little, uh, or rather Elijah helped them with a little truth. So verse 20, so Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel, big religious assembly, mm -hmm. big religious assembly, all getting together. And Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? What was their problem? We have a figure of speech for that. What do we call it? Hmm? Well, hypocrites, Alan says. That's not a figure of speech. Just, just, that's just a... Uh, yeah, they were flaky, all right, but they were double-minded. They were sitting on the fence, weren't they? They were people who were not committed. They were people who said all the right religious words at the right time, and they were flakes. Uh -huh. They were people who knew all the right responses, and they knew when to stand up, and they knew when to sit down. And they were people who had all the right verbiage, but they were lost going to hell. They were sitting on the fence. They were halting between two opinions. They wanted to serve God and they wanted to serve Baal. They wanted heaven and they wanted the world at the same time. You see? 
Mm, pretty strong, this, isn't it? Elijah came to all the people and said he was there by himself and he was outgunned 850 to 1. Mm. Trouble is they didn't have any ammunition. How long will you follow between two opinions? Now here it is. This is a, a text with a kick like a mule. If the Lord is God, if Yahweh is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. What does it say? People answered him not a word. Why didn't they say a word? Because they were so dumb, that's why. Mm. They were spiritually dumb. And because they had no convictions, they couldn't even give a testimony. They couldn't say a word. They didn't want to put it in writing. They didn't want to say anything because they knew that they were, they were uncommitted and they did not want to be committed to God. Now listen to me, my beloved fellow Californians. You ready for this? Well, take this from me. Take it in love. We live in the flakiest society on the face of the earth and probably the most paganized society that the world has ever seen. This is our society. And this society does not encourage people who are individuals who will stand up and say, here I stand, I will do none other. It doesn't encourage that. It encourages wimps. It encourages anemic people who will say, well, I'll vote if everybody else does. A person who puts up his finger to see which way the wind is blowing. A person who goes with the crowd and who thinks that is sophisticated when in fact it is cowardly. A person whose lifestyle shows that he's not committed to his church, he's not committed to his wife, he's not committed to his husband. If he has some marital troubles, the first thing he does is goes and get a divorce. You cannot take difficulty whose religion is a religion of weakness and who glories in it and who knows nothing else. And may I say this to you, uncommitted people are not going to heaven. You hear this? But they say, you only got to believe. Yeah, but trust and reliance leads to commitment. If you believe in your God, then you'll be committed to him. These people back here didn't believe in anything. They were spiritual wimps. They lacked intestinal fortitude. That was their problem. They'd been brought up in this wimpy religion. Therefore, they never said a thing. They were dumb and never said a thing. Thought that was sophisticated. Wasn't sophisticated, it was sad. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. He was feeling a little sorry for himself. Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls. Let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, put no fire under it. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of my God. I'll call on the name of the Lord, and the God answers by fire. He is the God. So the people answered and said, it is well spoken. They'd finally got the gumption to open their mouths. 
Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one bull for yourself and prepare it first, for you are many. Call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they took the bull which was given them, and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered, and they leaped about the altar which they had made. Physical activity is not an indication of spirituality. People who jump over the pews in church are necessar not necessarily any more spiritual than these people. So they leaped about the altar. They thought that was great. So when it was noon, Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, he's a god, either he is meditating, he's busy, he's on a journey, perhaps he's sleeping, must be awakened. What a, what a crummy god. Wasn't he a crummy god? Gone to sleep and forgotten to wake up again. So they cried themselves, cut themselves, as was their custom with knives and lances until the blood gushed out on them, the foolishness of paganism. So it was when midday was past that they prophesied until the time of the offering and the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice. No one answered, no one paid attention. And that's how it is with a false god in the day of judgment. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. That's the work of Elijah, restoration. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two sears of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood and said, fill four water pots with water, pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time. They did it a second time. He said, do it a third time. They did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar. He also filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant. I've done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you've turned their hearts back again. Mm -hmm. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they cried and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Amen. That was the Elijah message, the message that called for the response from the God of heaven. That day we are told in Israel there was a mighty revival. There was a mighty revival when the people acknowledged God and committed themselves to him. So the Elijah message does more than preach a message. It brings people to decision. I'm going to ask you now in the church, you've heard the message. I'm going to ask you to commit yourself to the message of God. Uh, in a moment I'm going to ask you to stand up. Don't dare stand up if you're just standing up because the person next door to you is standing up. Don't stand up because you think it's the thing to do. Stand up because you know that God loves you and you're going to love him. I'm going to ask you today to say this, by the grace of God, I will be committed to Jesus. I will follow the creator God. I will be true to Jesus by the grace of God. I want to be covered by the blood of the Lamb. I want to be married to Christ. I want to be committed to Him. I do not want to be a flake.
If you've enjoyed the program today and would like information regarding the availability of video or audio cassette tapes of today's program, please write to John Carter, care of the Carter Report, Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. That's John Carter, care of the Carter Report, Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Today's program number is on your screen. Your prayer requests and comments are also encouraged. Please pray daily for Pastor Carter and Three Angels Broadcasting Network as they share the truth of the Three Angels' messages throughout the world, especially into the land of Russia. That's John Carter, care of the Carter Report, Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. God bless you.